Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I have a short reading before the sermon. These are the words of Harold Kushner from When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Is there an answer to the question of why bad things happen to good people? That depends on what we mean by answer. If we mean, is there an explanation which will make sense of it all? Why is there cancer in the world? Why did a friend die? Why did a plane crash? Then no, there is probably no satisfying answer. We can offer explanations, but in the end, when we have covered all the bases, all the squares on the game board, and are feeling very proud of our cleverness, the pain and the anguish and the sense of unfairness will still be there. But the word answer can mean response as well as explanation. And in that sense, there may be a satisfying answer to the tragedies in our lives. The response might be to forgive the world for not being perfect, to forgive God for not making a perfect world, and to reach out to the people around us and to go on living despite it all. In the final analysis, the question of why bad things happen to good people translates itself into some different questions. No longer asking why something happened, but asking how will we respond? What do we intend to do now that it has happened. So how do we begin again? How do we keep hope alive? To find our way back to hope and joy after the inevitable difficulties in our lives is perhaps the hardest task we all can face. Whatever our hardships may have been, we may sometimes find ourselves merely going through the motions. Perhaps we feel that this is what hell must be like, or we may feel trapped or alone. Perhaps we've been hurt, betrayed, abandoned, or are suffering other losses or an illness. Our particular circumstances may differ, but we may have something in common. Perhaps we have forgotten a simple truth, one that is easy to forget, that each of us has the power within us to overcome the inevitable losses in our lives and to be reborn to joy. We have the power within us to keep hope alive and to find our way back to better days. But just how do we begin again? Let me not die while I am still alive. This is a Jewish prayer, and I think it's a wonderful prayer. 
let me not die while I am still alive. From my view, this is a prayer for all of us when we're in pain or suffering or struggling to find our, back, our way back to life. We all have the potential to experience joy once more, to face this world with optimism and renewed strength. But first, we must often face the darkness. There is no way, at least that I know of, to avoid the period of darkness when we have suffered a devastating blow. It doesn't matter how strong or successful we are, no one can protect us from the inevitable sufferings of life. Sooner or later, we will find ourselves not knowing which way to turn. This darkness can follow the death of a loved one, an illness, a broken relationship, a divorce, Maybe it hits us after we lose a job, or sometimes even when a milestone birthday arrives. Or maybe it's the events in our world or our nation. For some of us, it strikes suddenly. For others, it creeps up slowly. Rabbi Naomi Levy describes the darkness this way. When sorrow comes, there is an emptiness that pervades your entire being. There's numbness, an absolute unreality. Did this really happen? We can be pulled down by a gravitational force so strong that every ounce of our will cannot combat its fierce power. There seems to be no exit sign, no guides, no windows, no doors. But there are lighter days and darker days. There are brief moments of hope. At some point, we may feel that the world is continuing its, on its usual path, that people around us are in motion, and we are close enough to see them, but maybe not be with them. We may wonder if our lives will ever catch up with the world around us. And on top of that, our pain threatens many people. It may stir up feelings of their own that they're not ready to deal with. So it can be difficult to, for others to be with us in our pain. So most people want to cheer us out of our pain or out of our anger. Anger is certainly a very natural response to suffering. We can be so angry and just look for someone to blame. Often we're the angriest to those closest to us. We may turn on our friends for the simple reason that they are happy and not suffering the way we are. When mourning a death, we may even be angry at the person who died for abandoning us. Or we may turn our anger inward towards ourselves. Just as our pain takes time to heal, so does our anger. And the more we try to suppress it, the deeper it can fester inside our being. Sometimes we have to wait for anger to subside, like we wait for the pain to be less intense as time goes by. Pain does have an end. It may be hard for us to see that in the midst of it. But pain does have an end, and someday we will find ourselves gaining more distance from the pain. 
and we may even find we have learned important lessons from it. Embracing time, allowing ourselves to take the time we need to face our pain is important. And we live in a society that expects us to immediately bounce back and not show our pain, so it can be difficult to take the time we need. And sometimes we may only have time to comfort us. Frank was a man who thought he had it all. A wonderful wife whom he loved deeply, an adorable son who brought him immense joy, a coveted position in a company that it had taken him 13 years to earn. He felt blessed in his life and never took his good fortune for granted. One night, the police came knocking at his door. They told him he was under arrest and took him away. In jail, he learned that a coworker had implicated him in an embezzlement scheme. At first, he was in shock and disbelief, but it didn't take long for the reality of the situation to sink in. He was an innocent man being held for a crime he didn't commit. He felt like a fool, ashamed, angry, and crushed. Then his wife came and announced that she had been preparing for months to take his son and leave him. Suddenly, he had lost everything, his wife, his son, his job, his good name, his freedom. His friends disappeared. It was like his whole life was an illusion. While he continued to proclaim his innocence, he was convicted nonetheless and sent to jail for three years. If someone had told Frank at this moment as he sat alone that in time this nightmare would pass and that he would eventually find his way back to joy, he would have begged them to stop tormenting him with false hope. Time was all he had, so he embraced time. He saw no way out of his predicament or his despair. Then one day he started writing in a journal, something he had never done before. The next day he did the same, and he started writing stories, articles, and eventually even humorous pieces. His solitude and confinement were still overwhelming, but his writing gave him the power to reach into realms within himself that had been unreachable. After he served his time, he began the difficult process of rebuilding his life, his confidence, and his trust. His career was gone, but in prison he had found his true passion, writing. In the last 27 years, he has published 10 books. And one day, his son, then 13, called to say he wanted to come and live with him and slowly they built a new relationship together. Frank embraced time and found healing in the darkness of his life. So how do we begin again? Embracing time is one way, and community is another way. An experience with loss or sadness often leaves us feeling isolated from the people that surround us. This may be the first time we've ever experienced such deep loneliness. Friends may empathize, but no one can live inside another person's pain. 
and our first instinct may be to push people away. We do sometimes need to be alone, but eventually we need to reconnect. It seems counterintuitive to shut people out at the very moment we need them the most, but most of us do it anyways. I know I have. We may turn down offers to go out with friends. We may not answer the phone. We may just want the world to leave us alone. But we are losing sight of the fact, if we do these things, that there is great comfort in having company and being in community. Leo Biscaglia tells a story, a true story we are told, about a contest to find the most caring child. The winner was a four-year-old boy whose next-door neighbor was an elderly gentleman who had recently lost his wife. Upon seeing the man cry, the little boy ran into the gentleman's yard, climbed onto his lap, and just sat there. When his mother asked him what he had said to his neighbor, the little boy said, nothing. I just helped him cry. Sometimes we just need to help each other cry. No matter what we may think or how it may feel, we are not alone. There are people who care about us, who want to help us, and whose presence can offer us hope. Sometimes spending time with someone, even just for a cup of coffee, can be enough to lift our spirits. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just get out of bed and out the door. A change of scenery can do us good by breaking the monotony and changing our routine. These things aren't going to cure our pain, but they can help us begin the process of rejoining the world around us. Many people may not prefer to deal with the pain of others. That's why they may not call us. But if we can gather up the strength, this is time for us to reach out to them. We must try very hard not to resent their silence. Instead, we can teach them to not be afraid. We can show them that they don't need to say anything profound or enlightening. All they need to do is show up. Of course, this is not as easy as it sounds. First, we have to find the energy to actually pick up the phone and reach out for help. Next, we have to be brave enough to allow other people to see our pain. And we have to face the possibility of being hurt, of putting our trust in someone who may let us down. But we can't let one person's possible insensitivity shatter our faith in human kindness. Just as there will be people who disappoint us with their lack of caring, there will be others who surprise us with their generosity of spirit. Reverend Wayne Mueller, one of my favorite authors, says, rather than hide, our challenge is to speak what is true, to share the contents of our hearts, to describe for others the emotional geography of our deepest concerns. By locking away our most terrible feelings, we keep them alive and strong. By attending to them, mindfully exploring and acknowledging them, by speaking them aloud in the company of others, 
We allow our feelings to recede, to fade, and gradually take up less space in our body and soul. Reaching out to our church community can be a way to begin again. Here at Arlington Street, one might begin by sharing a joy or a sorrow. Or reaching out to one of the ministers who are always available for the gift of compassion, time for discussion, listening, and support. And there are many other ways to reach out and create new connections at Arlington Street. We may want to close our door in hearts when pain comes. We may have grown up in families where maintaining a stiff upper lip was the way we were taught to deal with pain. But if we can, let us try to be open even a little bit to welcome in the people who are waiting to help us. Finding our way back to community is often the beginning of true comfort. Memory can be another way to begin again, another way to find comfort. Memory has the power to transport us away in time from the pain. Memory can return us to better days. We each have the power to call upon the joy of the past. In the face of our losses, we can reach back and remember and smile. And I know firsthand that not all memories are happy and comforting, but I believe that most of us do have good memories of some good days and good moments that we can call upon to comfort us. As time passes, we will find ourselves further and further removed from the immediacy of our pain. We will continue to look back at it, but from an ever-changing perspective. Healing is not exactly like climbing a ladder. I think it's more like climbing an unending spiral staircase. As we ascend, we return to the identical point in the circle where we have been before, but we are now standing on a higher landing. From above, we can see the experience, but with new eyes. A deeper meaning may unfold before us. And over time, as we make our journey away from pain and towards life, something strange may happen. We may not even notice the gradual change. But one morning, we will wake up and realize we are feeling good, that we're actually taking pleasure in things, that small tasks don't seem as difficult and life doesn't seem as bleak. We may wonder how we ever got through the pain, but we will see that the light before us is visible and welcoming. Throughout our lives, we will, we should, feel the pain of our losses, the scars still present even after time has passed. But eventually, with time and with community and with other comforts in our lives, we will also see the strength of our spirit, our ability to persevere in the face of pain. We have the power to dream despite the difficulties of existence. We have the stamina to push forward into the future 
our past with us all the while. This is how we begin again. May we all remember in our own times of darkness that deep within us, we each have the strength to begin again. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.